in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, uh, Joe Biden just got caught and actually stopped in midway through a bribe. He was attempting to bribe every uh, kid in America with these uh, student loan giveaways. It was all uh, an attempt, and it worked, to actually get them to vote a certain way in 2022. Uh, young people, the young people, like 18 to 29-year-olds, I think that was like a record year uh, for voting, 2022, the midterms. Republicans should have done much better. They all came out because they were loving this idea that they don't have to pay student loans and um, totally communist, totally anti-American and totally illegal. Everybody knew it. It was just overturned. They just announced it. The Supreme Court uh, six to three saying that uh, what the Biden administration was trying to do was unconstitutional. And uh, sorry, kids, you're going to have to pay these things off yourself. But in a way, it, it kind of worked because Joe got the votes. Joe got the votes. That w- It was all about that. And it's all now about having yet another grievance, something to uh, rile up the far left with, the idea that you're entitled to this stuff. Now, they know. They know that this is that this was a, a scam. Uh, Nancy Pelosi knows that. Nancy Pelosi spoke very candidly about, well, a president does not have this kind of power. Here's Nancy Pelosi, okay? A trillion dollar giveaway, just wiping away loans. Should we do this? Yeah, actually, let's do this. Cut 29, please. Nancy Pelosi. People think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. And they didn't do it. And it's just, but it worked. It worked, the midterms. What did we get? What did, not that I'm a Republican, but I was rooting for the Republicans, barely got the House back and did not get the Senate. Lost the Senate. I mean, we, 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 no, we didn't have the Senate. We should have gotten it back. Didn't get it back. So, um, and the kids, this was such a silly idea. Everybody knew it. And the children, the students out there, what were they planning to do with all this <laughs> money saved? All this money uh, that they would have just, this free money? This is actually a very interesting exchange. Cut 28, please. This is Bernie Sanders on the Bill Maher Show. Cut 28. And again, this is against why people sometimes, I think, question some of what you're saying. Uh, this is a survey, student loan forgiveness recipients. 73% of applicants say they are likely to spend their extra money on non-essential, including vacations, smartphone, drugs, and alcohol. They, they admitted that to the pollster. Who is this pollster? I, and this... <laughs> NBC News. Um, 52% uh, they are very likely or likely to buy new clothing. 46% they would use the money for vacation and eat out at restaurants. This is why people have a thing about, I, I would never call it free money. Oh, I guess I just did. <laughs> uh, that's uh, That was priceless. Very, very nice. Very nice. Uh, so it goes away. They'll have another issue to run on. But um, really, um, uh, the good guys won here. Never should have gotten this far. All right, look. This Eric Adams moment from the other day, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger in my mind, in other people's minds, and they're taking a new look at Eric Adams. Even the New York Times is like, wait a second. I mean, wow, what he said to that woman, that amazing woman, 
84 year old. She's an associate professor, Professor Dobnow, Jeannie Dobnow. She may be coming on the show later. 84 years old. She's been involved in tenants' rights uh, since the 60s. And the rent is too damn high, okay? This is the kind of thing that mayors get asked all the time. It's part of the job. And for him to go from zero to racist, you're a racist, you're a plantation, that shows so much hate in his heart. Quite frankly, for people who don't look like him, white people, absolutely. I told you this guy was a racist. Remember that he's going to kick cracker ass, okay? Well, he tried to kick a little cracker ass, but he got his own ass kicked. And people are looking at him in a new way. They're seeing something. I told you it was there. Uh, I want to do this again because it's important. It's important. Um, and by the way, you know what this thing was called? This is Ask Eric. <laughs> Ask Eric. An Ask Eric uh, seminar. I noticed, though, they didn't give people microphones. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Ask Eric, but you don't get a microphone. So she was, you know, she was trying to be heard. So she had a kind of, and she's halfway across the gymnasium. And I counted, there are, we just, <laughs> I don't know. I think this is what they call a pivotal moment in the administration where everybody finds out what a bad guy this is. Cut 27. Okay, first, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't do, be disrespectful to me. I'm the mayor of this city, and treat me with the respect that I, would, I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. Stop Give right me there. The How hideously racist is that? He, all he saw was a white woman opposing him. He goes to a plantation that you own. And didn't he just say a moment ago that he's going to talk to he's, – he's speaking like an adult? This is not how an adult speaks. It's not mature. This is an immature racist response. It's unbelievable. It's so, <laughs> uh, the bum is going to be thrown out. Keep going. All right, never mind. Uh, I want to point out that the New York Times is on to the case, okay? Mayor compares housing activists whose family fled Holocaust to plantation owner. Um, by Emma Fitzsimmons, who's been known to give Eric Adams a lot of wet kisses, but this is actually a pretty decent and fair uh, assessment, okay? The first question at a community conversation with Mayor Eric Adams in Washington Heights on Wednesday night was about New York City's housing crisis. Not satisfied with his answer, a woman in the crowd stood up, accused the mayor of being controlled by the real estate industry, and criticized two years of rent increases on rent-stabilized apartments. Mr. Adams was not pleased. First, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't be disrespectful to me. You just heard what he said. All right. Then he went a step further, comparing the woman who is white to a slave owner. Don't stand in front like you're treating someone that's on the plantation that you own. The woman is Jeannie Dubnow, 84-year-old housing activist and a molecular biologist, oh, by the way. She said in an interview afterward that her Jewish family had fled Europe during the Holocaust. She said that the rent increases were a disaster for seniors, and she believes that the mayor attacked her because he did not have a strong defense of what was happening. It was a complete deflection from what I was saying because he has no answer, she said. 
Mr. Adams, the city's second black mayor, has often raised concerns about racism when he has felt under attack. During the 2021 mayoral primary, he argued that his competitors, Andrew Yang and Catherine Garcia, had joined forces to prevent a person of color, specifically a black or Latino person, from becoming mayor. When he was blamed for Democrats losing the 2022 midterms in New York because he had raised fears over crime, Mr. Adams said his critics were insulting the black and Latino communities who are most affected by gun violence. More recently, he has twice compared himself to Kunta Kinte, a character from the 1977 television series Roots, who was beaten for refusing to accept a slave named Toby. I know you think you can whip me and make me go from saying Kunta Kinte to Toby, but damn it, Kunta Kinte is all I know. I told you, he's a total racist. He's totally trapped in another era. He does not, <laughs> he doesn't understand who we are. He doesn't understand the city. It's amazing. You know, when you're the mayor, you're supposed to like the give and take. You know, you see community meetings. You know, my dad, he and Bloomberg, they go to these things. People get up. They were the most, they were two of the most popular officials in New York City history, but people would get up and yell and scream. You roll with it. You don't call people racist if they're asking substantive questions about the issues. People have a right to get up, wave their arms, yell if they want. And oh, by the way, she wasn't doing any of that. Kunta Kinte. He said all this at a Juneteenth celebration. Let's see here. Mr. Adams also claimed recently that there was a coordinated effort to prevent him from winning a second term. Well, I certainly hope so. But he says it's all like a racist uh, plot. Fabian Levy. What an interesting name, Fabian. (laughs) Press secretary for the mayor, Fabian. Wow. Sounds like he's a knight or something. Fabian. Fabian said in a statement that anyone who believes this mayor isn't fighting for tenants hasn't been paying attention. Uh, he just told us he wasn't fighting for tenants. He, he just said, he just said, I, I, I can't do anything. That was his response. I can't do anything. Ms. Dobnow, who lives in Washington Heights, said that she was not trying to be disrespectful toward the mayor and it simply wanted to make her voice heard at a tightly controlled event. I didn't have a microphone. I had to speak loudly so that everyone could hear what I was saying. The rent increases, including 3% hikes on one-year leases, will affect roughly 2 million people who live in rent-stabilized apartments. Housing advocates have said they were too high at a time when many New Yorkers were struggling. But Mr. Adams has defended them as necessary for small property owners who face rising costs. Okay, that's not exactly stick it up for the tenants. Ms. Dobnow acknowledged that she did not like the mayor, good for you, and had voted for his left-leaning opponent, Maya Wiley, in the primary. She volunteers with a community group called Riverside Edgecombe Neighborhood Association, and this was not her first mayoral event. She assailed Mayor de Blasio at a similar event in Washington Heights in 2015 over his affordable housing policies. Now, let's look up. What was the race of Mayor de Blasio? Let's think about that for a moment, right? Yeah, you know, right? Uh, I looked it up. I looked up her. I found a picture of her at that event. You know what she's doing? She's pointing at the mayor. She's pointing at the guy. You know, when you want to make a point, when you want to emphasize something, it's okay to point. It is, especially if you were like 50 feet away. Like you, you there, you can't hide. I see you. Now, it's another thing to put a finger in somebody's face. That's aggressive. You can't do that. And that didn't happen here. She said she was surprised that the video of her exchange with Mr. Adams went absolutely viral, adding that she hoped it made people realize how he's more pro-landlord than any other mayor we've had recently. 
The mayor prides himself on being a lifelong New Yorker. Ms. Dobnow said she has lived here since she was eight. Her parents were living in Germany when her mother was pregnant with her, she said, and fearing persecution, they fled to Belgium, where she was born in 1938, and then to France before eventually moving to the United States. The testy exchange occurred at a community conversation event called Talk with Eric. <laughs> Talk with Eric. This is it, right? No, listen to Eric. The subjects. He's acting like he's an emperor. One in a series of appearances the mayor has held across the city. During the panels, the mayor invites top officials from his administration and fellow elected leaders to take questions from the public. Uh, let's see here. It's just great. I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy with this woman. And you know, he tried to say, to other people who are concerned about the rent, he told his own stupid story about being a landlord. You know that hovel he owns in Brooklyn, right? And the whole shady deal with the, you know, was he living there and the rent and no income tax, all that stuff. And the, the, the accountant who was homeless, he's trying to tell stories about that as if it means anything. His experience as a small time landlord, if that's what he was, is in any way applicable to, to their lives. It's not. And she knew it. She called it out. I love it. Professor Dobnow, are we working on it? Okay, we are. We are. We are. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, all right, give me a moment. Many thanks. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know who does uh, most of the complaining about white privilege? Uh, privileged white people, right? They 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 apologize for being white. They apologize for uh, all their status, and it was really fun to watch Jordan Peterson. You know, he is this amazing psychologist who has gone totally global uh, because he's so brilliant. He's so brilliant and brave. And he's being interviewed by this woman and, uh, he challenges her. Okay. If you're, if you're so, uh, if you have so much status and you think that's wrong, get rid of it all. Listen to this. This is, uh, cut 31, please. I think I'm benefiting actually from a lot of things that I don't support that are unearned privileges in my life. I think that's absolutely true. Like your job? Like I have a very good job. I had a loving family who, who, well, I don't think that's going to do the world any good, is it? That's a hell of a fine rationalization for your privileged position. Oh, well, fair enough. But, I, you know, if you I, can trade it off with someone who's less privileged, I could that'd be a start. I could. I could do that. And, and uh, but I don't I don't want to. And I and I won't. And I don't think I should be expected to. Why not? Is it OK for you to occupy a position of privilege in the patriarchal tyranny? And if it is, is it because you're female or is it just because it's convenient? So interesting because she doesn't want to give up any of her privilege or her status, but she will advocate that others not have the same advantages or the same opportunities that she had opportunities underline opportunities that she had that somehow uh, as a as a white person that's a big part of this okay uh she needs to step back but she's not going to step back she just said that so others those who are coming up have to step back 17 year olds oh uh, not just uh, white people this <laughs> the affirmative action decision you know really the aggrieved party and they won were asian students Asian students, uh, you can look it up. There's data to back this up. Plenty of exceptions, but if you take 10 million Asian students and 10 million white students and 10 million black students, the Asian students do the most homework. They do more homework than white students and black students. It's uh, they're just study after study. They are hard working, harder working at school. Plenty of exceptions, but we <laughs> these kinds of trends they're significant. And when you're a policymaker or you're running a university. So 
you can't come to this school because you've done too much homework. It's funny how um, culture feels very comfortable for some reason picking on Asian people. It's it, I, my friend Kenny Shu. I, I my eyes have been opened up, and I really saw it during the 2021 mayoral campaign. Eric Adams, uh, that buffoon, right, had no business whatsoever being mayor. Andrew Yang actually had some real world credentials and not just some clubhouse politician. Okay. And they picked apart Andrew Yang. Why did they do that? And it wasn't just picking apart. I mean, really making fun of him, you know, questioning his legitimacy, everything about him, giving him a hard time because, uh, he spent a couple of months in upstate New York. Hey, at that very moment, Eric Adams was living in New Jersey. It's just like a high school cafeteria. I'm, and I'm sorry. And one of those, one of those from a John Hughes movie from the 80s with a bunch of stuck-up kids, right? And, you know, they have those little groups. And in that world, it was safe to pick on the Asian kid, and that's what those reporters did. That's what those reporters did. And that was a very important role that they had because not many people voted, not many people. Andrew Yang would have been a great mayor, actually, compared to all the others. Compared to all the others, he would have been fantastic. And he was the only one, oh, by the way, who had the nerve to take on the media's darling, Ewick. He did it. Did it to his face. Did it in debates. Got no support whatsoever. Always tried to shut him down. We're talking about media support. Um, all right. So is this going to go anywhere? Probably not. New York Post is not really making a big deal out of it. And uh, somebody over there likes him big time. Um, not me and not you, I'm guessing. Uh, there's the music. All right. Fourth of July is Tuesday. You know, the year is halfway gone. Halfway gone tonight. Six months to go. How did you do on your New Year's resolutions? They almost never work. I've got a plan, though, for something better than New Year's resolutions when we come back. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, real simple, uh, better than um, New Year's resolutions is uh, reading the Bible 20 minutes a day. And um, it's an amazing thing. It's not, uh, you know, not everything is perfect. Uh, You're still going to screw up. But the amazing thing is... um, uh, God is your, uh, God is your friend. And when you screw up, he might even discipline you. He might even do something to straighten you out to get your attention. It's kind of amazing. And, uh, it lifts most anxiety, just evaporates. It's still going to be there a little bit, uh, from time to time, but it's night and day. And it's like walking in the light instead of the darkness. And then uh, the calendar doesn't really mean all that much to you. It's just a way of marking time. For others, It's uh, it can be more than that. Anyway, uh, the Joe Biden interview last night was yesterday afternoon. First of all, uh, they teamed him up with the biggest flirt in the world, this uh, Nicole Wallace 
<laughs> Joe Biden was in New York City yesterday. He goes over to Rockefeller Center for a live on-camera interview, which was a major mistake. All right. This guy is just that's not what he does. Why would they do that? But uh, they they had a very friendly host, a former Republican. I guess she would be the epitome of a rhino. And listen to how she's just trying to charm this guy. I mean, she's just delighted, tickled. I mean, she's flirting with him. This is Nicole Wallace is her name. Cut 25. This is very exciting for us. Exciting for me. <laughs> you said today in another party, in yes. Another, well, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> it's okay. It's you get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, 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 but, but it, it is. The I optimist could hope so, right? Sean Kelly's face told it all, right? Oh. His <laughs> head in his hands. No, I, but, I, but it did. But, yeah. but And then expanding that, that cadre to 40 countries. Yeah. yeah, she's got a big, big, big smile on her face. And that was just a portion of it. I mean, she's... Guess what? Yeah, the president of the United States there. Obviously, he's been through some stuff, right? You got to ask him some certain, you got to ask questions. I mean, Hunter, I mean, we, Hunter has now worked out a plea agreement with your attorney general. Care to comment? I mean, all right, you don't want to give him a hard time, but you got to bring it up. She didn't. Nothing about his health, nothing about Hunter, nothing about the very real evidence that suggests that he was there when Hunter was shaking down the Chinese. Now, I understand you want a friendly interview, and there's a time and a place for that, but you still have to do this stuff. You, you have to, especially when you pretend you're straight news. And um, let's see what else happened. Um, she did bring up the Department of Justice about January 6th. Okay. Why didn't you start the January 6th investigation earlier? Cut 20. To really focus on Trump and his innermost circle's role in the January 6th coup plot. You've awarded medals to Harry Dunn and Officer Fanon and the others. Do they deserve to know why it took the Justice Department a year to open an investigation into the person that incited the insurrection? They should have wait, They should have started earlier investigating Trump. It's insane, all right? January 6th. The, the DOJ in January 6th. What about the DOJ and Hunter? Okay, the whole country's kind of talking about it, all right? Even Democrats, even... Believe me, Joe Biden's people are talking about it. There's a report that says Joe Biden is so mad right now that if anybody brings up Hunter Biden to him on his staff, because his staff is freaking out. They're like, you can't bring this guy to the state dinner. You can't walk on a helicopter with him on Marine One and go to Camp David. You know, you're not invulnerable here. You're the president. You're not the king. You're not the emperor. All right. You're, <laughs> there are checks and balances. You really are putting yourself in danger. And I believe he is. So uh, he he loses his cool, doesn't want to hear about it. He also can't keep. Look, if you're the president of the United States, you have to know the difference between the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They're different documents for different things. And this is your government. <laughs> He's the head of it. And he gets it totally backwards and wrong. Cut 22. And in that sense, it is uh, it is not as embracing of of all what I think the, con- the Constitution says, we hold these truths, we sell that all men and women are created equal, endowed by their creator. It's the un- uniqueness of America. We never fully lived up to it. We never walked away from it. All right, that was the Declaration of Independence that I was reading from. All right? The document uh, where we formally uh, broke off from the United Kingdom, England. Constitution, uh, actually, 1776 is when the Declaration of Independence was passed. I'm thinking 1789, uh, 13 years later, when the Constitution came about. Uh, let's see, you know when they show you those surveys like how American students don't know anything, right? We're always at the bottom of the heap compared to other countries. 
And one of the things they love to cite is that American students don't know when the Civil War was fought. Well, American presidents don't know when the Civil War was fought. Cut 23. This court seems to say that, no, that's not always the case. The idea there's no right of privacy in the Constitution giving states power that we fought a war over in 1960. I mean, come on. We got to. This, this can't go on. But they pretend that nothing. They, they, they pretend that this is normal, that it's all normal. Do we do the thing about all the money he's got at the University of Pennsylvania? Ooh, cut 21. I was teaching at the University of Pennsylvania, and I had a significant budget to hire a lot of people for the Biden democracy out there, from Tony Blinken to others that came along. I had a lot of money to spend. When's the last time you heard anybody in academia brag about how much money they had to spend? That that's the, the two don't go together. But Joe Biden did get because Joe Biden was affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania. The University of Pennsylvania got. $77 million from China. That's why I think uh, one of the reasons why he was mumbling there is like, oh, I shouldn't have said any of this. Okay, it reminds people. And oh, by the way, the Penn Biden Center is where, yeah, they found classified documents that Joe put there as an ex-vice president had no business being there, none. He could not in any way justify it, none. Trump has an argument. Trump has a justification. So it kind of goes on like this, and uh, it's a disaster. Oh, the weirdest part. And you're not going to be able to see this, but he walks off set mid-interview. Uh, well, the interview is kind of over, but everybody knows, you should know. I mean, I could see a second grader, you know, who just won a Little League game getting to go on TV and uh, maybe walking off. But everybody else knows to wait for the commercial break. Cut 26. I said I'd be a president for every American, whether they voted for me or not. Well, and, and the ones that didn't vote for your bills, but run on them. That's, That's right. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. I appreciate it's great it. to have thank you. It's thank you. To have thank you. you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, it's a very exciting day around here. Um, have reaction. So she keeps on reading the news and uh, what's coming up. And he walks out behind her. It's just it's it's obviously if you see it, on, you know, it's not supposed to happen that way. The whole country, Twitter blew up. It didn't matter really what he said. Uh, that was the, the big thing. And, um, I'm glad. I'm glad Joe had a disastrous. Is that bad? Is that, what do they call that? Schadenfreude? When you take pleasure in other people's, uh, uh, issues. Barbara, uh, I shouldn't have that, but I do. It's a human trait. What am I talking about? Schadenfreude. It's a, it's a German thing. Pleasure in other people's misfortunes. I don't like it. I was just talking about the Bible. However, I'm a human being, and uh, it's there. What can I tell you? Do you know anything about what I'm talking about, the schadenfraud thing? I, I'll tell you. I've seen it. I can't even spell it, you know, but um, I, I was so glad to hear you talk about reading the Bible because I was just reading something from the uh, bishops of the United States that they wrote in response to the 30 Catholic Democrats who signed a letter vowing to support abortion. And in their letter, which this letter, I printed it out. As an English teacher, I would give them an A in spelling, but I would have to give them an F in logic. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Who gets the F in logic? The the priests? I'm sorry. No, the 30 Catholic Democrats who signed this letter vowing that their religion... Uh, encourages them and guides them to support abortion. Oh, this I got to hear. You got it? Let's go. Yes, I, I, I do have it. They say, Our faith unfailingly promotes the common good, 
prioritizes the dignity of every human being and highlights the need to provide a collective safety net to our most vulnerable. Now, that's in these Catholic Democrats' letter. (laughs) That's the most illogical statement because they're certainly not providing abortion in order to provide a a safety net to our most vulnerable, which is our preborn children. And the letter, I won't read the whole thing, Greg, but the letter has about four glaring logical errors in it where they're trying to twist the Catholic faith and twist Catholic voters to believe they should support abortion. But the bishops came back with a statement in response to this, and it's a wonderful statement. And the bishops talk about reading the Bible. They talk, first of all, they say members of Congress who recently invoked teachings of the Catholic faith itself as justifying abortion grievously distort the faith. Okay, so I don't need to read any more details of that. Grievously distort the faith, and they go on to explain how. And then they talk about conscience being very important, and that conscience enjoys a special regard both in church teaching and in the public sphere. However, conscience is not a license to commit evil and take innocent lives. Conscience cannot and does not justify the support of abortion. In fact, conscience, and this is where you come in, conscience must be informed and moral judgment enlightened with the word of God in faith and prayer. Uh. And guided the teaching of the church. Very so powerful. Is- Take that, AOC. Uh, I know she, she's one of the... But uh, look, what do they mean by conscience exactly, though? Is that like like guilt? What are they? What is that about? I, didn't, I don't understand that part. I heard a priest once give a wonderful uh, a homily speech about conscience, and he said, conscience is not Jiminy Cricket sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear, telling you what's right and wrong. Conscience is your intellect informed by the Word of God, informed by your religion, your faith, and your beliefs that come from the Word of God through the Bible and through the teachings, in this case, of the Catholic Church. Well, bravo to uh, the bishops who wrote that letter. And, um, yeah, I guess you could send a letter like that to Joe Biden because he's been out there uh, pushing abortion now. Uh, He wasn't his entire career, but for a big chunk of it, and uh, certainly as president. And uh, I'm sorry, he he is a lost soul so, uh, Barbara, thank you for bringing that to our attention, and uh, you are the best. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Well, and I'm very happy today because of the Supreme Court decisions that support our First Amendment very strongly, the decision of 303 Creative that says that someone who does creative work cannot be forced to create a unique creative work that um, promotes something that their conscience objects to. Hey, conscience, we were just talking about that. Hey, and don't forget the postman who they fired because he didn't want to work on Sunday because that's the day he went to church. The United States Postal Service fired a guy because he didn't want to work on Sunday. First of all, the mail doesn't come on Sunday. I don't know what the hell that was all about. He was a good postal worker. I mean, every now and then they try to come up with an excuse to get you if they don't like you, but I don't think that was the uh, the situation here. They couldn't figure out a way, so the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, 
because obviously the Postal Service could make arrangements for one guy to have he's he'll work six days a week, just not Sunday. He'll work overnight shifts. He'll work morning shifts. He'll work late shifts. Just give him off Sunday, and they wouldn't do it. So obviously that's not a hardship for the uh, post office to uh, to make that arrangement. They didn't. They lost yesterday nine to zero. The post office did. This guy won. All Supreme Court justices on his side. Another victory for religious freedom. And oh, by the way, and this really touched me, um, I guess they call it an amicus brief. Other people who supported this guy who weren't parties to the lawsuit, um, the, the, you can submit a brief in support. And um, Muslim groups did it. Jewish groups did it. I heard some atheist group did it as well. I mean, I just, I just really love that. His name is, uh, Groff, actually, and I've met him a couple of times. Great victory, nine to zero. How about that? It still happens. Thank you, Barbara. Be right back. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. France is on fire. I mean, this looks like a, a million times worse than Black Lives Matter summer. Um, you saw what happened over there. A police officer shot a 17-year-old uh, motorist. We'll call him a motorist. Uh, apparently, he was an Islamic immigrant. And uh, Anyway, uh, they pulled him over. I'm not sure why. It looked like a traffic stop. And the kid hits the gas, and the cop shoots him as uh, as he's driving away. I've seen the tape. I've seen the video of the shooting. Um, it's not, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if this was a justified or not justified. Um, you know, it, it, the car, when it moves like that is a weapon, you could consider it a weapon. Why was he pointing the gun at the kid in the first place? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough, but, uh, the people in France, a good chunk of them, uh, are uh, looting and burning and running all over the place. France is a crazy place, beautiful place, but totally crazy. The anti-Semitic situation over there, anti-Semitism is huge, huge, um, an incredibly anti-Semitic place now. I know somebody who actually studied the problem, and they were doing research, and uh, as part of the research, this person who happens to be a non-Jew put a yarmulke on and walk down the street to see what would happen. Yep. Horrible, nasty comments yelled. Anti-Jewish comments. I mean, I just, how did this happen? I mean, there are some great people in France, but this is, uh, um, are they losing their culture? I mean, the, uh, the, the migration problem, they've had all kinds of issues. Um, so good luck over there. We'll see what happens. Uh, and what else? I, I, I do feel very good about that guy who's going to be uh, off on Sundays. I would like to see him make some cash. I don't want to just have him get his post office job back. I actually met him and I asked him, I mean, could you possibly get some money? And said, we're, explore- we're, we're exploring all options. So this guy might get a big, fat paycheck from uh, the federal government. How is DeSantis doing in his run for president? Uh, not so hot. 
Not so hot at all. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the Koch brothers have come out. They promised to spend tens of millions of dollars in stopping Trump. They have to stop Trump and build up DeSantis. Sorry, guys, you are betting on the wrong horse. And I keep hearing, oh, Trump is not electable. Trump is not electable. How do you actually say that? Why do you say that? I'm looking at several polls that have him neck and neck, if not in a couple of polls where he's beating Biden. You don't have that with DeSantis. I, uh, he's four, 40 points ahead right now in the GOP, and he's competitive with Biden. And you could, actually, DeSantis is competitive with Biden, but first got to get the nomination. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Is this part of the reason? Let's hear. Cut 15, please. Ronnie D. Bidenomics is you pay more for the necessities of life. And he has this grand global warming vision with all the Green New Deal. You will pay more for everyday energy, transportation, and groceries. We've seen it happen in other parts of the world. That's what he wants in store for the average American. Not bad. I agree with all that. Talks a little fast, though. Got 16. Look, I think that people want to move on from Biden. I think that's very, very clear. I don't know if he's going to get that message. And so he may very well try to stick it out. We'll be ready for for whoever, because I think the thing about the Democrat Party is, yeah, Biden's got huge problems. We all know that. But we talk about this corruption. What does he have going for him? Harris is his impeachment insurance. (laughs) No matter what Biden does, nobody wants Harris. And so it's almost like just let him finish out. And and it cuts against accountability because people know if she were president, Katie barred the door as bad as Biden did, it would get worse. And so they would have a real clown show uh, if Biden wasn't able to make it. All right, Governor, why don't you eat some pizza and start talking to me? We'll do it. Let's hear uh, the next cut. It sounds fine, um, but he's in a totally comfortable setting. The moment you put him in a room in Iowa... He just gets all nasty and weird. Are you blind? Are you blind? I'm meeting people. What? 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 I'm here. I'm shaking hands. What? What about the whole Trump thing? I mean, come on. Cut 17. Trump says you're disloyal. Do you feel that way? Disloyal to who? I mean, you know, politicians have to earn support. They're not entitled to support. Uh, I did a lot for him in 2016 and 2020, by the way. I was happy to do it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm loyal to my family to our Constitution, and to the good Lord. And I have a vision. Uh, I think I'm the guy that can beat Biden. But even more importantly, no more excuses on these issues. I'm going to get all of this stuff done. We'll have a plan on day one to get going and get cracking. We'll give you two great terms for eight years and really get the country on a fundamentally different path. I think I'm the guy to do it. That's where he, um, that's where he gets into trouble. He's not fooling me. You know, I did a lot for him in 16 and 20. In 16, he was um, congressman nobody. It didn't matter. Okay, great. But everybody was doing a lot for him. And I mean, you were one of many. Your support wasn't pivotal. You did not make Donald Trump. Uh, he made you. He made you. Adam Putman was the uh, agriculture commissioner. He was the number one Republican. He was the guy. And uh, Donald Trump took a chance at at Ronnie D's request. He says, I, I need your support. I need your endorsement. And uh, and Trump did. And he catapulted him to the front of the pack. And the rest is kind of history. And that's not that's that that does require a measure of uh, loyalty in that sense. Yeah, you can be loyal to all those things, the Constitution, your family, your God. Yeah, but you're also a politician. You're also in the business of politics and what you did. Arguably, that's politically unforgivable, but uh, we'll see. All right, there is the music. July 4th, 
Oh, boy, do I have my fireworks ready. I got an M80. Are they legal yet? Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I actually met uh, James Comer yesterday. Now, who's that? Come on. Congressman James Comer, the Republican from Kentucky. Uh, he should actually be one of the most famous men in America right now. Uh, the fake news does not want that to happen. He is the chair of the House Oversight Committee. He's been the key guy investigating the Bidens, and they have all kinds of dirt. He actually told John Katsimatidis right here the other day that it looks like the Bidens have made something like 30 to $40 million, potentially. 30 to $40 million. Um, it is believed that tapes exist of Hunter and Joe talking in detail about bribes, about money for them from Ukraine. These tapes uh, are believed to exist potentially uh, somewhere in Ukraine. Okay, we uh, have some interesting things going on, and uh, I think we may be hearing some of those uh, tapes, and that would be something. Wow, wow, wow. Well, we already have one tape that shows Joe uh, urging the termination of that prosecutor, which is totally bizarre. Why in the world would a vice president of the United States care? Uh, about a local prosecutor in, in Ukraine. Uh, well, it was the position of the international community that that prosecutor be terminated. That is, who was the, who was in the perfect position to make sure that that was the position of the international community? And <laughs> the international community doesn't really work that way, okay? And the international community also understands that Ukraine is thoroughly corrupt. Why was Joe Biden so obsessed with it? <laughs> because of that very reason. All right. I'm um, looking at an email from May of 2016. Uh, two staffers on then Vice President Joe Biden's um, national security team. Uh, let's see here. From one staffer to the other. Again, they both work for uh, Biden. Boss, 8.45 a.m. prep for the 9 a.m. call with President Poroshenko. Then we're off to Rhode Island for infrastructure event and then Wilmington for the University of Delaware commencement. Nate will have your draft remarks delivered later tonight or with your press clips in the morning. Respectfully, John. So uh, what's so uh, interesting about this? Hunter Biden is CC'd on the email. I have his uh, email address, hbiden at rosemontseneca.com. Uh, it's right there. Why in the world would he be CC'd on that? Well, it's obvious. It really is. This is why they were paying Hunter Biden $83,000 a month plus an $8 million signing bonus from Burisma uh, so he could make this happen. They wanted that prosecutor off their case. It's that cut and dried. It's not hard. I know sometimes it gets a little bit confusing with the Ukrainian names, um, but it's kind of it's the the prosecutor's name was Shokin, 
And he was an honorable man, and he was poking around Burisma, asking questions, and they did not like that. So they had people they thought were superstars in their head, superstars. Hunter Biden, superstar. We'll have him on the board. They had a few other Americans, and uh, Kofor Black was one, a uh, longtime CIA hand. Uh, I don't remember the other. Kofor Black and Hunter Biden. And Hunter, man, he was a... Uh, why else was he going to the White House all the time to see his father? He was an adult man. Did you see? I've got these clips. I put them online on my Twitter, at Greg Kelly USA. On a Friday night in 2005, Joe Biden goes to a political dinner in South Carolina and gives a speech. What's the big deal there? Well, Hunter went with him. And there's something very strange about this event. Number one, it's a Friday night. Okay. In South Carolina. He's from Delaware. And politicians do this. They go to other states to give speeches. Hunter is with him. That is actually weird in and of itself. Because in 2005, Hunter was married with children um, on a Friday night. He's with his dad at a routine political speech, what looks like a routine political speech. At this point, uh, Joe has been in public office for 30-plus years. So what's happening, and you can see it all on the tape, Hunter is just lurking around. Focused on his father, almost like he's a bodyguard, just staring at him from a few feet away, just staring at him, watching every conversation he has, every single conversation, just like a laser focused on his father. And then at the right moment, he swoops in. There's some sort of signal when people start talking like they want something from the senator. And everybody wants something from a senator. Not everybody. Some people want something like... You know, I'm trying to work with these regulators, and I'm running into a real problem. Senator, I was wondering, and then Hunter comes in, and he figures it out. The guy who, uh, Senator, I'm having a problem here, and then, oh, this is my son, Hunter. Oh, really? Hello, Hunter. Yeah, he has a law firm in Washington. Oh, he does, huh? Yeah, Hunter, is uh, he's right here, and uh, the guy gets the message. He figures it out, and you can just see the moment. Uh, excuse me, Hunter, do you have a card? And meanwhile, Joe continues glad-handing, you know, just, oh, isn't this a pretty little girl here? <laughs> and the men step off to do business. Hunter and the guy who has a problem with the regulators. It's fascinating. It's worked like this. It's worked like this since probably Hunter was old enough, what, right out of college, right out of college. I feel badly for Hunter. Rudy will tell you that as well. Because this guy did have addictions. The last place in the world he needed to be was, quite frankly, surrounded by this kind of money and this kind of power. Uh, you can be, there's such a thing. What do they call it? Too close to the sun. Have you ever heard about that? Chris in Riverhead, hello. Yes. Oh, Chris in Westchester, Greg. I got a note here. You're, from, you're in Riverhead. That's what my note says. But anyway, what's up? Well, uh, okay. I wonder what the long-term plan is for these migrants in New York City? I mean, uh, what what are they doing every day? They, 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 most of them just uh, sit around and wait for their, their next meal? Are, are they uh, going out? Or are, is Adams going to try and move them out so he can bring more in? Because, I mean, uh, there's uh, an endless supply. It's, what, uh, I, I look, I'm confused myself. It's funny. They haven't been in the news much lately. I did think of them, though, when uh, Kathy Hochul comes out with a plan to charge people who live here $23 to come into the city. $23 congestion pricing. If you're an immigrant, you come here for free. 
Uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with the entire situation. You know, I was actually by the Roosevelt Hotel uh, this morning, and it was conspicuously quiet. Nobody was going in and out, and it looked like it was all boarded up again. Uh, Chris, you remind me. we got to track that down. But ultimately, why are they here? I mean, the big picture, why are they here? Uh, for votes. So they'll vote Democrat, or they can be portrayed as voting Democrat. And cheap labor. That's what the globalists want. Thank you, sir. Uh, now, Chris in Riverhead. Okay, this is the other one. Chris, uh, hi. Hi, Greg. Um, I just wanted to get off my chest something that's been haunting me. So, in 2018, in August, I was spraying for ticks and mosquitoes in the backyard of a very wealthy person's beach house. And there was two guys on the beach. One was wearing red speedos. One was in swimming trunks. And they were kind of like jumping around and hooting and hollering, and when they saw me, they waved. And uh, later on, when I was straight on the other side of the house, they came up to the house, you know, and uh, the guy in the red Speedos wearing a red hat and sunglasses, he just kind of looked a lot like Jeffrey Epstein. The only thing that uh, stood out was the, the folds of skin around his neck. And as I was leaving, he smiled at me, and uh, the way his, his lips curled, the edges. Chris, how old are you? 53. Don't worry. You're not his type. You weren't his type. You like young girls. Uh, Why are you? You all sound a little traumatized by this. Not traumatized. It's just every time you bring up that he might still be alive, this little situation haunts me, you know? Mm. Um, I ran into him once myself uh, at a at a Broadway show. It was the opening of, uh, damn, I don't remember. I don't go to many Broadway shows, and as soon as I go, I realize why I don't. They stink. Any movie, any movie is better. Any movie is better than a Broadway show. I know Broadway is important to the economy and all that stuff. I got to say that, and I hope they all have a great life. But I can't stand it. But he was at the he was at the opening, and you know what I did? This is after he was convicted of the sex stuff. This is years later. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Now I didn't say that, but I gave him a look. You know what I mean? I gave him a real dirty look, and uh, I think that was the appropriate thing to do. I mean, not to make eye contact with some of the customers because some of our customers are extremely wealthy and they don't want to, you know, don't engage in conversation. So I just kind of had tunnel vision. But uh, what do you do? Was, you said you were spraying for ticks. I, I thought you, know, you were spraying the property for ticks. Yes. I thought you were. The, okay. Spray. It's yeah. a beach house. Uh, I'm just going to say one more thing. It's in Sagaponic, very secluded area. Yeah. Very ritzy area. The backyard is the ocean. So they were about 100 feet away and he was they gave me the thumbs up. And Wait, I go, what oh, year was this? 2018, saying. right? Yeah, August. Okay, August of 2018. That's a record. year. That's a year before he. Wait, wait. Yeah, that's a year before he died, right? I, I, every time I ask Siri when did Jeffrey Epstein die, it says August 10th, 2019. I think. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 2019. So yeah, okay. So you Mid, didn't see a month. I would go to this place twice a month. You know? All right. Well, look, that's where he hung out. He hung out in the Hamptons. It's not the, you know, it's not the, you know, that's where rich people are. He's a rich person. All right. Chris. I didn't tell, I haven't told anybody about this. I got it. It's not, it's just know? not that big a deal. <laughs> I mean, just relax. I mean, you know, I'm just not, I mean, it's interesting. Someone comes looking for me. Why would, oh, would you relax? You say you're being a bit of a drama queen here. All right. Come on. A drama king. I mean, you come on, come on. Nothing's going to happen to you. All right. Uh, but do me but a favor. Don't don't uh, don't call the station again, just in case. I'm only kidding, Chris. I appreciate it very much. And uh, yeah, those inter- those are interesting moments in life. You know, they happen. Oh, Sandra, hello. 
Oh, hi, Greg. You know, I was when I saw that woman last night uh, speaking to um, Elwick. <laughs> I want you to know I was shocked. He owes her an apology. She was delightfully emphatic. She talked like AOC with her hands, and actually. Her fingers, if you look closely, were pointed downward. They weren't even pointed at Ewick. And then I wanted to say one more thing real quick because I have to leave them. I, have, I wanted to say that um, Anthony Fauci, he, what he would do is he would hide the emails from the public. He would have uh, someone steal his email and um, they wouldn't go... He would hide them. Oh, I'm all mixed up today. But he basically, this Dr. David Morins, who worked as a senior advisor for the National Institute of Algae and Infectious Disease, told a group of scientists that he used his personal email because he did not want his messages well, to be released under the Freedom of Information. I got gotcha, you, but you know what? We've got such we've got such dynamite stuff from the emails that he wrote on his official NIH.gov uh, email. I mean, from that, we know that he funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. We know that from uh, from his own emails, from uh, from government documents. So he may have been playing a game, but, you know, sometimes it's just too convenient. Your computer's right there. You forget, and he's just – and he's writing stuff out loud. Most of the time he was spent, oh, by the way, massaging his uh, reputation, his PR. It's amazing. In the middle of a pandemic, and he's worried about his – his, um, you know, how he looks on TV. He actually arranged for a Netflix documentary and all of this thing. Did you know that? He has a Netflix. In the middle of the pandemic, he uh, he has a film crew following him around for Netflix. What a bad guy. Thank you. Uh, and we'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yes, this is a dark day for democracy and for equality. <laughs> and to make the presumption that today, in 2023, that our country is colorblind is incorrect. That is not the norm for people in America today. And I've been in contact with our SUNY Chancellor, John King, who will be assessing their policies, but assures us that they'll be considering many factors to understand that diversity is an important part of who we are. We celebrate this in the state of New York. We want to make sure that our educational institutions, are the, the ladder to opportunity for millions of New Yorkers remains open to all. All right, that's enough. So I can't stand this woman. Very- My goodness gracious, dark day in democracy, celebrating diversity. Uh, celebra- how, do, how do you do that exactly, huh? Tell me, tell me how you did that up in Buffalo, celebrating diversity. Um, what a silly, silly person. Um, I think this is great. Uh, it needs to be thrown out, affirmative action. Um, it just, it's so un-American, you know, and it's putting each other, putting, however, wait, we've had major beneficiaries of, uh, of affirmative action, including Kathy Hochul. James Flippin just walked in the door. James, I don't want to bring you into a political thing, but, uh, I mean, let's face it, Cuomo, I'm looking for somebody, uh, for lieutenant governor. <laughs> she must be a woman. I have a feeling he was not looking for a superstar to be his lieutenant governor. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, I think a lot of the time uh, the selection process surrounding lieutenant governor is a political decision and kind of how you're going to, you know, boost your candidacy through that selection. But, I mean, it's a weird kind of role because they just don't want to be eclipsed. They don't want anybody who's going to be uh, a rock star. Mm-hmm. They want somebody average on purpose. It's like reverse affirmative action. 
And oh, by the way, SUNY state schools, they're not that hard to get into. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of like come one, come all, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I, I would think that it's maybe uh, of a lower threshold than, say, Harvard University, which was involved in that landmark decision. Well, I know Binghamton actually compared. And the thing about the SUNY schools, some of them are pretty good and they're a bargain right, compared to true. these other, you know, ludicrously expensive schools. SUNY Albany, SUNY Binghamton, although they don't call it SUNY anymore. They try to get rid of that Binghamton University. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is there? Uh, SUNY uh, Oneonta. Does anybody talk about SUNY Oneonta? Not really. It doesn't matter where you go to college for for one. Where'd you go to college, by the way? University of Delaware. Joe Biden's on my mind. That's right. That's where the boxes are with all the secret stuff in That's it. what I hear. I hear my university is actually engaged in uh, part of the fight over those documents, you know? Where, um, now you're from New Jersey. I am. So you really, <laughs> you really explored the world. You went to <laughs> right next door to Delaware. Why did you go there? It seems like a... Well, um, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good, like, kind of sweet spot distance-wise. It was two and a- two hours and 15 minutes from home. And also, I got accepted to the honors program there, which meant that I was in kind of, like, different classes, classes I was interested in, stuff like that. Did you get a scholarship? Not a scholarship, no. So why did they put you in the honors program? It was based off my, you know, my grades and So why did you get an accomplishment? In. Why didn't you get a scholarship? I don't know. That's... uh. That's just not part of it. That wasn't part of it. All right. Well, anyway, you felt like one of the smart kids. You were one of the smart. You are one of the smart. I think they should have given you money. I appreciate that. All right. So, uh, and what'd you major in? Political science. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And any sign of Joe or his family during your time there? Actually, it's funny you mention that because there was a time when in one of my political classes, I think that was either my sophomore or junior year, he was supposed to come and speak to the class. Something happened where this, that, the other, it couldn't happen. It wouldn't, he wouldn't make it. And he was senator at the time, not, uh, not vice president. Just think you almost kind of met Senator Joe Biden right. one day. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Do you think it matters? I mean, I don't know where Diego went. I don't know where anybody went to college, really. I used to really notice that. Now I don't notice it anymore. I'll put it to you this way. The professional path that I'm now on, it was because I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So not yeah. Delaware. Is that still around? They used to uh, advertise on TV. It's like a different thing now. All right, listen, stay around if you don't mind, all right? Cool. got to ask you about the uh, the new police commissioner. There's a new police commissioner as of tonight at midnight. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's day 9,610 of being a human, and I'm going to try to leave gender out of this since that's how we found ourselves here. I've been offline for a few weeks, and Still a lot has been said about me, some of which is so far from my truth that I was like hearing my name, and I didn't even know who they were talking about sometimes. It's a very disassociative feeling. Disassociative. And it was so loud that I didn't even feel part of the conversation. So I decided to take the back seat and just let them tucker themselves out. Actually, I think this was probably the arrangement you had with uh, Anheuser-Busch to keep your mouth shut while they paid you. That's Dylan Mulvaney, uh, the transgender individual, uh, talking about the controversy of that very ill-conceived uh, ad campaign where she was supposed to influence people to drink more Bud Light. Did it work on you, James? Uh, no, it did not. No. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what to make of this person at this point. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, number one, no, what, what am I talking about? I don't like them, number one. And the big reason is no talent, uh, doesn't sing, doesn't dance, uh, doesn't know stuff that we don't know. The whole claim to fame is uh, transitioned and now acts like an over-the-top caricature of uh, what a man might think a girl is. Fair enough? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that there's a lot of pushback uh, on Dylan Mulvaney and that particular ad campaign sort of because of the way she acts. Not so much the concept of transgenderism or even drag queen or anything like that. It's the behavior and sort of the campiness that is involved with it. Yeah, the, the camp. And also it doesn't go. I mean, it has nothing to do with Bud Light. I mean, let's face it. Bud Light is, you know, pickup trucks. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Bald Eagles. Yeah. Sports. Uh, football. Uh, you know, manly stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Now I'm in trouble. I mean, no, I got, <laughs> that was uh, that was the whole thing. They wanted to expand the market. I don't care. I don't even drink beer. I don't like beer. I used to like beer for a little while. I think it's a waste of time. And uh, she... Or he um, has been enhanced by this, actually. Probably more marketable than ever before. But at least with Caitlyn Jenner, you know, formerly Bruce, world-class talent, world-class athlete. That's one of the reasons why we were interested in what happened. Like, this person is just off the street. Nothing wrong with being off the street, but why the hell is a half a billion people looking at you? He was the best athlete in in the world. I think, actually, he was like the best athlete who ever lived went into decathlon in 1976 anyway do me a favor uh tell us the deal with the police commissioner so right now you know uh Keyshawn sewell it's her last day on the job she announced her resignation earlier this month kind of abruptly and did not give a reason why there were rumors and reports that maybe she was feeling kind of you know sidelined by city hall and that really more or less mayor adams kind of made the big decisions with regards to the nypd so she's stepping down uh, the New York Times is reporting that Edward Caban, first deputy chief or, or deputy commissioner, maybe his title is, I guess, uh, that he's going to be the interim NYPD commissioner. There's also rumors out there that sanitation commissioner Jessica Tish of the Tish family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Lowe's Corporation, yeah. uh, the Giants. She is also on the short list, apparently. And, and she I remember I used to go to the crime presser, the crime stats presser that they would have once a month. The NYPD would have like their comstat, you know, result. Uh, press conference and she always did the stats breakdown jessica tish she was like the nypd chief of technology or tech information and technology or something like that so caban is the interim top cop he's also on the short list to potentially be named the full-time replacement and then according to reports jessica tish is also uh, a rumored candidate i emailed city hall earlier this week and asked specifically about tish and they said she's doing a great job as sanitation commissioner. So they didn't shoot it down. But and then the New York Post reported both Caban and Tish as kind of the most likely top candidates right now. Here's what I think is going to happen. Because they made him interim commissioner, it tells me that it's going to be Tish, uh, that they'll, he'll get credit for giving this guy his, his moment. But the fact that, I mean, they, they would know by now. So it's going to be her. It's probably going to be her, which. Wow. That's something. But whatever happens, if it is her, you know, we'll have had six police commissioners in 10 years, six police commissioners in 10 years. That's a hell of a lot of turnover. Nobody's even making it to the two year mark. And you think about it. The commissioner who came before Ray Kelly was there for 12 years, 12 years. That's a long time. That'll never be broken. That record. It's a record. Is it an issue at all? Uh, knowing what you do about the NYPD that she 
being Jessica Tish I'm talking about, was never a uniform cop. Like she was a civilian that had those jobs within the department, but she never actually, you know, wore the uniform. Is that an issue? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's not a perfect resume to be the police commissioner. I mean, that's it's not, you know, that's a that's that's a big hole in her resume. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I the, part of it is Ewick, the mayor, he wants to be the police commissioner. He was never much of a cop. Right. So. I've seen this before. Yeah, screw you guys. You quit, and then you come back as the boss, right? Sometimes people, this happens a lot in politics. They get really frustrated with their uh, whatever it is at work, so they quit, and they run for some office. Yeah, look at me now. You'd <laughs> be surprised. You think these people are motivated by public service? Um, no. Eric, Take one look at Eric Adams. You know he's not in this to help people, all right, other than himself, all right? Help himself to more outfits and more nightclubs and more dinners and who knows what else. So, um yeah, that's going to be an issue. There's going to be controversy around that appointment, but that will just show you that Eric will be the one uh, calling the shots, and he doesn't know anything, so we're going to have a problem, potentially. Although, Tish does have some impressive credentials. Uh, she has been around city government now for a while. My dad hired her as a deputy. And uh, what else did she do? Um, Harvard Law. She's very smart. And uh, so we'll see about that. Uh, so... I guess that's good. That's good for now. What are you doing for Fourth of July, everybody? You mind? Beth is standing by. Hi, Beth. Hey, Beth. Hey, is... hey, hey. Yes, I'm here. Beth, I from Kentucky. Are you the one with the truck driving husband who does all the workouts on the bike? Yes, sir. But I do walking now. Well, I walk a lot. It's great to hear from you. You know how I feel about your voice. Okay. You guys got to listen to this voice. It's really beautiful. Anyway, Beth, uh, how what's going on? Okay, let's. You want me to start with my question or tell you what's going on? I just want to listen. Okay. All right. My deep freezer went out yesterday. Trying to keep. We buy meat from people that we know. I have a new deep freeze. Yay. Gutters are going down, have water in the house. Uh, all right, I love your voice, but I don't need to know all this stuff. Uh, what else? Yeah, <laughs> okay, all right, so uh, can I help you in any way? Um, uh, okay. I don't know if you got to the point because you were talking about the New Year's resolution earlier, yeah. and you were going to talk about yeah. it, but I had to talk to somebody that I'm in a genealogical society with. Then I pop back on the show, but I I do not do New Year's resolutions at all. But what I partake in is the Lent season. Oh, you mean like and, you give up something? Yeah, the Christianity. But I don't give up chocolate or whatever else everybody talks about because you do go back and eat your chocolate again. What? I have learned to do, just kind of came above me about 60 years ago, just thinking. I give up something bad that spiritually is bad in my life that I need to correct, where I'm not walking right or thinking right or a bad attitude or a bad habit. That gets in the way with it's the Lord. Well, Beth, I love it. Uh, give me an example, please. This year, I gave up having the cell phone around me when it was prayer time or Bible study. 
because you're, yeah, let's check the weather out. Oh, there's a text coming to me. Oh, let me look at the news. Blah, 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 blah. So I put that aside and gave my whole time to the Lord. And it was a lot quieter. I love it. Less, no distractions. It's just the Lord and me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to throw that out at you. Beth, I think that's fantastic. And I'm staring at my cell phone right now and all these uh, videos. It's unbelievably addictive. And uh, it's it can be a beautiful thing, but it's also it can be very, very harmful. So uh, I like that approach very much. Uh, and uh, and how's that truck driver doing? Well, he just passed over four million miles in September. Wow. 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 Uh, how, how many years is that? Oh, God. He just told me today how long we've been married. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. okay. We've been married 45 years, and I don't even feel that old. So he got in it in 1990, 89 or 90. Wow. And I know I'm telling my age. All right. Well, you be, you were but, married since 1978, and uh, that was quite a year, disco and all that stuff. And uh, and that's uh, that's when you got hitched. Well, I love it, Beth. Give him my best. Safe driving. And uh, thanks so much for calling. And uh, very inspirational. Thank you. All right. Um and I was only kidding about the M80 firecracker, all right? I got a couple of bottle rockets. That's it. I know. Lame. Be right back. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So Geraldo Rivera has uh, retired. Uh, well, at least he's left Fox News after a... Uh, uh, great career there, and previously at NBC, ABC. He's a, uh, you know, it's overused, but truly a legend. You know, Geraldo, first name famous, household name famous. I like Geraldo. I have, um, he's been kind to me. I think I've been kind to him. I uh, I like him. Yes, we've gotten into a bit of a tiff here and there on Twitter about politics. Um he was such an innovative journalist. Uh, some of the stuff that he did in the 1970s, you know, he was the first broadcast journalist, I believe, to introduce to the world the Zapruder film, uh, the assassination of JFK. Um, what else did he do? I mean, just like that style of journalism, uh, groundbreaking stuff on the mental health facility. Where was it? Staten Island? Was that Meadowbrook? Um, anyway, he's on his boat yesterday and announcing his big retirement. May we hear that? So it doesn't look like I'm going to be on the five. I mean, I'm not going to be on the five. I've been fired from the five. And as a result of that, I quit Fox. I said it. All right. Well, he's on his boat. I mean, and a lot of people are like, give me a break. You got fired, so you quit. It, can't, it doesn't work that way. But I know what he means. I, I guess he could have stayed at Fox, but he's not going to be on the five anymore. Um 
And, uh, yeah, I guess I don't really like airing the grievances. I don't think that's necessarily, uh, you know, I mean, that's the way the cookie crumbles, uh, Geraldo. You know, you're 80 something years old. All right. These things happen. And, uh, you know, to make it a thing. And well, I got to tell you, Fox was actually pretty decent because he makes this statement on the boat bitching about getting fired. Uh, but they threw a big party for him this morning. And, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> he had to make it all political. Uh, but let's hear what he had to say. You know, Geraldo, it's not just what you've done in broadcasting, but what you've done in broadcasting, I think for a lot, for a lot of Hispanics, um, has meant a lot. And I think that's something that you should maybe say something about. Well, I, I thank you for the, for the opportunity because affirmative action has just been uh, voted down by the Supreme Court of the United States in a very controversial decision that will impact many people of color. Um, I was a product of affirmative action over a half a century ago. Thank you. All right. Um, I'm I'm uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's uh, just um, I don't know. I didn't see Geraldo as a Hispanic. I didn't see him as I mean, I just saw him as a charismatic guy uh, who was a pretty good storyteller. And uh, I think he's very much in sync with the times, which can be a good thing and sometimes a bad thing. And uh, I think along the way, he, uh, well, didn't sufficiently acknowledge some who helped him. But uh, overall, I like him. You like him. And uh, Geraldo will be back on television. Uh, so he looks great. Oh, by the way, just looks fantastic. Um, keeps himself in, fant- in great shape. And uh, he's done it all. He has done it all. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Jason in Jersey City. Hello. Hey, Greg. Thanks, man. I wanted to just call in and thank you for uh, signing my copies of your book. I really appreciate that. And good riddance to Geraldo, by the way. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, well, anyway, hey, thank you for buying the book and uh, thank you for taking the trouble and the time and uh, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, I know. Geraldo's controversial. Uh, I know him off camera. Uh, so, uh, you know, I see that part of him. And, uh, yeah, likable, uh, but I know he can be annoying. He's done things that is, uh, what, 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 what did he do that got your goat? Oh, a million things. But the one that <laughs> sticks out, one of the ones that stick out is when he was on the five and he was talking, I don't watch Fox News anymore. I watch Newsmax. But anyway, um, he said when Obama was elected president, he cried like a schoolgirl. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, you know, I know you're a liberal and all that, but come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> like a schoolgirl because this guy's destroying our country. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. That's uh, that's a little much, but uh, that's what he is. He's a little much, and uh, that's part of the part of the shtick, I think. Jason, I so appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. Hello. Yeah, Greg. Very quickly. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. On the on this decision of the Supreme Court getting rid of affirmative action. How does that uh, impact the NBA? Yeah, didn't you call yesterday with the exact same point? Well, you hung up on me. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I, I said it's a great point. It's a great yeah. point. However, uh, the NB, the NBA is not a college. All right, this is no, just this is this is just an education thing. It's just edu- it's just education. All right, so that's another thing. I mean, obviously, it's a glaring uh, discrepancy. All right, that's merit based, merit based, and merit based is good. Merit base is good. What is the percentage black in the NBA? What is it? 70%, 65%? Uh, merit base. That's the way it should be. Rob, thank you. I said I had to keep this quick because more, uh, Max, Max, hello. Yes, Greg. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I think it's good that, uh, or ironic maybe that Eric Adams is so concerned about our weather 
and the clouds that are coming from the, the smoke that's coming from Canada. But I don't hear him anything saying say anything about the morning um, chemtrails that we see that has aluminum in it every morning crossing the sky. What? Every morning you see jets that go across the sky. And there's aluminum in those uh, in those plumes that it, that it comes down and affects us. He there's no aluminum in that stuff. Where'd you get that? There's no there aluminum. Is. Well, do you want the, what are you saying? We should stop flying airplanes? Come on. No, I'm saying stop at the chemtrails. The chemtrails. Those are that's not chemtrails. That's that's ice. That's actually. Look, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I love airplanes, and uh, we got to keep flying. Uh, and I don't know about any aluminum, but uh, Max, uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, but uh, Rich in Brooklyn, hello. Hey, Greg. Uh, great show. I, I was calling about Caban. I, I think his screener verified it, but uh, he had nothing more than first-grade detective, I think, uh, civil service rank police officer. Is that correct? I don't know. Oh, all right. I, th- I thought he, uh, your screener did it, but you have a great show. You got a great, uh, following and, uh, keep it up. Well, uh, you're kind, Rich. Thank you very much. It's Friday and, uh, the 4th of July is here. Gosh, this doesn't seem to mean anything anymore, right? Celebrating America's independence. Remember, I remember as a kid going to that parade. You know what they do now? I mean, they have drag shows, drag shows in the public square. So a whole big thing, Franklin, Tennessee, doesn't get any more mom and pop and apple pie than that. And they had a big fight about drag shows. They should have drag shows uh, right there in the middle of the town. Seems ludicrous to me. But uh, what are you, you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to fight this stuff. Liz, hello. Hi. Um, I was a teacher for the Board of Ed. But anyway, I taught a school uh, course in the 80s, a test prep for the specialized high schools. Yeah. In the 1980s. And I agree with Mr. Chen last night. It was a very diverse group. There was maybe one or two Asian kids in the class back in the 80s. And you could tell who was going to get in and who wasn't. If they had been in a gifted program and prepped for that and with the curriculum, they were going to make it. Kids who had not been in the gifted program were not taught those subjects and they were having trouble. So it, and it was a diverse group. And I met a student later. She told me that everybody from our class got in. But there were a few kids there that weren't in gifted programs, and they were lost. So um, he was right that when they got rid of the gifted programs, you lost the diversity. I got to tell you, I think the gifted, I, I remember he, I was not in the gifted program, but we had a gifted program. And I kind of resented them. I'm like, they're gifted like they're a gift from God. They're that special. I mean, I don't know. They just didn't seem all that impressive to me. I mean, everybody's beautiful. Everybody's got something to offer. But I thought they, the, the term gifted is a little much. Wouldn't you agree, Liz? No, I was in the gifted. No, I don't agree. Because, I mean, um, I mean, wait a second, though. I mean, gifted. Think about, I mean, I'm not one for the feelings of, uh, you know, but the uh, how, how, about the, how about the non-gifted kids? I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit much. Uh, but thank yeah. you, thank you, Liz. Uh, very interesting. And one more, uh, Mario in Manhattan. Hey, Greg. Bottom line, make the greatest country in the world birthday count. Adopt an American military veteran. Bring veterans to a picnic. Al fresco dining. Adopt, barbecue. adopt Most a veteran. Uh, all right, adopt a veteran. Adopt a veteran. Uh, but keep saying the patriotic stuff. I love it. Go. We had a gifted program, and I kind of resented them. I'm like, uh-oh. 
Anyway, hey, listen, we got our wires crossed. I so appreciate it. Have a great 4th of July and many thanks.